0: Something these hoes are like Try whips, I know they like Twister, you told her right I made you a celebrity overnight Give you ice like Kobe, right? We sorta of like Kobe, right? No way we mow them right I made you a celebrity overnight Girl, I see you in the middle but I'm Jean Chien on your back I wanna know your name Girl, I'm just like I can blow your brains Put you in the chameleon no-fold range Still sexy with your soap that flame. Drunk like a chicken When you throw that thing She got me hotter than the oven The way that she talk Switching the freaky So I'm loving the way that she walk You looking good, girl You wanna be a picture? Welcome to DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports' most valuable podcast, presented by 444 4 Football. I am 444's senior DFS editor, Chris Raybon, joined as always by my partner in crime, Mr. TJ Hernandez. What's up, TJ?
1: Chris, what's good, man? I'm uh, very happy Week 11's here because I was very happy to see uh, Week 10 end.
0: Yeah, man, I uh, <laughs> I escaped a lot of the carnage because I was actually in cancun at a wedding for week 10 so i didn't uh, play as much dfs as i usually do still entered some tournaments before i left they actually allow you to edit your con- the contest that you enter um even if you're in a place where you can't um enter new contests so that was right. good but i didn't actually fiddle too much so i didn't like pivot to wild power or do anything like that which actually i guess saved me a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean,
1: it was just one of those weeks, but I mean, that's that's uh, why we're always talking about variance and bankroll management and whatnot. So
0: I'm, I'm ready to get this week started. Oh yeah, definitely. We will get into it. We'll talk about the primetime slate. We'll talk about our picks at each position in the main slate. The music that played us in was Overnight Celebrity by Twista off his album Kamikaze, which came out in 2004. We got a chance to See Twister perform live once. Um, he freestyled. It was pretty dope. I don't think I've ever heard somebody freestyle quite that fast. So <laughs> it was a really good song, though. Brings me back. Overnight Celebrity. Be sure to check it out off Kamikaze from 2004. Also want to remind you guys that if you rate and review DFS MVP on iTunes, and send a screenshot to DFS MVP at four for 4com You can get a coupon for twenty-five percent off the four for four DFS subscription. Um, I know again that's doing well for a lot of people. Um Case Keenum, Adam Thielen both had a top GPP leverage scores, um, talked about DeMarco Murray and the slate breakdown. So a lot of good stuff in that 444 DFS sub. Uh, Ryan Hodge was talking about Mark Ingram last week and how we could get him at some low ownership due to some recency bias. So if you guys want to check out the 444 DFS sub, be sure to rate and review on iTunes. Send a screenshot to DFS MVP at 444.com. Let's get into week 11. And who are you looking at at the quarterback position, TJ? quarterback
1: yeah uh one team that i think a lot of people are are going to be thinking about a a onslaught even maybe in cash games is the chiefs uh they're just in a really good spot this week is ten and a half point favorites over the giants they have the third highest implied point total at uh, 27.75 projected points. Alex Smith is 7900 on FanDuel, $6,700 on DraftKings, which makes him our top projected quarterback value on both sides. Uh, I mean, if anybody was, wasn't was on the Giants as a, a defense to target uh, after uh, what the Niners did to them last week, I think pretty much everybody's on board at this point. The Giants rank uh, 29th in quarterback-adjusted fantasy points allowed. They've allowed the third-highest touchdown rate through the air this year and the most fantasy points per pass attempt to opposing quarterbacks. Uh, with Without Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson uh, active, only Carson Wentz currently has a higher touchdown rate than Alex Smith, so uh, that matchup bodes really well f- for Smith. And when Kansas City has been close to scoring, they've opted for the pass. They have the fifth-highest red zone pass rate in the league this year. And if you look at 4 uh, for 4s leverage score, which you mentioned in the intro, only Tom Brady has better odds to hit uh, cash game value on either site this week than Smith, so a really good spot all around for him.
0: Man, I, next time I'm ever going to pick the Giants in anything, <laughs> like please stop me because <laughs> I was targeting them all year on defense, and I finally go last week. They were my bold call to, to beat the 49ers, and man— that I can't even believe like it was bad. Did you even hear about all this stuff that's going on in their locker room?
1: Uh, I mean, I've heard a little bit about, I know there was like an anonymous uh, source that said something about the coach. And then another player came out and and said that he's a coward. Is that what you're talking about? Or is there more that I missed?
0: Yeah. So (laughs) it it was kind of, it's kind of been this ongoing thing since before the Rams game, but yeah, you basically had it. Uh, Somebody came out and said that the team had to like quit on Ben McAdoo. And this was before the Rams Mm -hmm. game. He said that, they had quit on Ben McAdoo. Um, he, he, he's, he doesn't have any control. He doesn't know what he's doing. He, he changed their off days and he, he's running them into the ground. He has them practicing on Saturdays instead of, instead of on Friday and making their off day on Saturday. And, and then a second player came out and added fuel to the fire and essentially said the same thing. And then Landon Collins came out and, and, and said not only that the, the players who criticized him were, were cowards or who was a, is a coward, but he, said that the player is on the defense or that the players are on the defense mm-hmm. so to me that's just like snitching some more it's like right, it's like right. you're coming out and calling these dudes cowards but now you have just narrowed down the anonymous source from a team of 53 to essentially a team of 25 so i don't think that was particularly smart either but um yeah it's just a lot a lot of a lot of things going on there that just don't really make sense and i'm, I'm trying to figure out who the who the rat is because Dominic Rodgers, Cromarty, one of the dudes that was suspended, he came out and, and and spoke in favor of McAdoo, So I don't think it's him. Um, I think it's got to be probably between Janoris Jenkins and Eli Apple. It sounds like sounds like those guys, those guys that seem to have the most problems, um, with McAdoo that haven't actually publicly supported him. But yeah, I think this is definitely a a defense to target. And we're, we're talk about some more Chiefs players in a few moments, but. For quarterback, I got Tom Brady, as you mentioned, TJ. He is the odds-on favorite, um, in terms of players likely to hit cash game value on both sites. He leaves, he leads, excuse me, all quarterbacks in passing yards per game by nearly thirty yards per game. He's averaging three hundred and eleven point two yards. Per game, no one else is averaging over 282. So Brady's putting up the numbers in terms of yardage. New England's implied total is over 30 points. And as I wrote about in my daily fantasy playbook quarterback edition article earlier in the summer, implied points is one of the most strongly correlated stats to quarterback fantasy production that we have that is available to us before the game starts. The Oakland Raiders defense been struggling all season long. They ranked 28th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the quarterback position. Brady's second in the week, tied for second in the week with 19 passing touchdowns. So should be a smash spot for Brady. He's got uh, another weapon in Martellus Bennett now who seems to be resurrected. Dwayne Allen finally made an appearance last week. We saw all the running backs catching passes. So I, I think Brady just really in a good spot. To uh, shred this Oakland Raiders defense. And yeah, it's nearly not much more to it.
1: Yeah, I don't know if uh, people would necessarily shy away from the Patriots anymore uh, if they were playing in Oakland. But even though this is technically a home game for Oakland, uh, the game's in Mexico City. So uh, both teams have a lot of travel to do. So uh, that any advantage that the Raiders would have been at home um, is more or less gone here. So I think that uh, might be worth noting. I don't know. I don't think it'll change much in this game. I mean, uh, the only thing that that I really remember from the last Mexico City game is that uh, the altitude's even higher than, than uh, Denver. So that's the real big adjustment for both teams, the conditioning
0: a little bit. That's a good point, because in, in, in situations like that, when teams kind of have to travel and, you know, un, un kind of familiar circumstances, I like mm-hmm. to go with the team that's uh, the better coach team. And I think the Patriots sure. are usually going to be um, the better coach team in, in any situation pretty much. So um, that's a good point.
1: Yeah, definitely. So we'll go ahead and, and move on to running back.
0: Running back.
1: This is a really interesting week for running back because we don't have a lot of players that that check all the boxes. We have some uh some of the guys that were more consistent uh earlier in the year, losing some playing time. We don't have any of the the top guys really in great matchups. Uh LeVeon Bell's not on the main slate. There aren't really a lot of, of cheap guaranteed volume guys. So One spot I think people are really going to be looking to uh, flip a coin at just because they're so similarly priced and kind of has similar issues right now are uh, LaShawn McCoy versus uh, Melvin Gordon. And I think I'm going to give LaShawn McCoy the nod on both sides. He's $8,000 on FanDuel, $7,800 on DraftKings. Um, I'm just a little more comfortable with Shady's role right now, especially with uh, Nathan Peterman taking over for Tyrod Taylor. I think that uh, if if anything, especially in this game, that the Bills are going to lean on the run even more than they have been, and we're not going to have uh, Tyrod in there taking away some of that rushing up side where uh, I think that uh, the Chargers are are kind of, Backing off of Melvin Gordon a little bit, uh, we saw him losing a lot of touches last week. And even though even though McCoy only saw somewhere around fifty to fifty five percent workload last week, I mean they were they were getting blown blown out by the Saints. So you can take that with a grain of salt a little bit. Uh, Chargers are one of those funnel defenses that we've been talking about a lot over the past few weeks. They were ninth in quarterback adjusted fantasy points allowed, but 27th versus running backs. Uh, only the 49ers have allowed more rush yards than the chargers and the niners have played an extra game. So uh, just, just really good spot chargers are one of five teams to allow three 100 yard rushers this season. And like I said, I think the bills just get back to uh, really, uh, heavy run offense with McCoy featured uh, and finally performing better than he has the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah. Melvin Gordon, it's just been tough for him with, you know, on early downs, they like to give him the ball, but he hasn't really been producing. I don't know if it's the offensive line or what, because Eckler is a little more shifty. He's been having more success in there in terms of the overall efficiency. So um, I do, I do think there is definitely some concern with Melvin Gordon. Kareem Hunt is the running back I'm going with. Again, talked about how much we love this spot for the Kansas City Chiefs. The New York Giants are down there now at 26th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. Two running backs. Hunt's salary on DraftKings is the lowest it's been since week three. And on FanDuel, it's only been lower one time since week three. So it's a little bit of a buy low on Hunt. He's 8K on DraftKings and 8.6K on FanDuel. For running backs, when you're in season, total yards per game, rushing plus receiving, is actually the most predictive stat in terms of fantasy points in the upcoming game. Hunt, despite some hiccups over these last few weeks, still second in the NFL in total yards per game at 125.7. He's actually, he actually has the top cash game odds. Uh, projected by nine percentage points on FanDuel and our 4-for-4 four four projections. Um, also leads all players in DraftKings cash game odds as well, 2% above anyone else. So Hunt, the numbers really like him this week, and I think it's a, a really good spot for him to kind of rebound, maybe get in the end zone for the first time in a while and you know just that that low salary you know or or depressed salary I guess you could say I'm just kind of adds to it in a week where as you mentioned TJ there aren't a really a lot of slam dunk running back plays there are kind of a lot of ones you kind of feel okay about but not great so I, I think Hunt is probably the one you can you can feel the most solid about just from kind of a talent perspective I mean we know that after last week where or, or last game where he got single digit carries Andy Reid is probably going to make a concerted effort to get him a little bit more involved in the Yeah, in the game. I,
1: I wanted to ask you about that because I, I think uh, probably it won't come into play as much as if there were um, other running backs in good spots. Like there just aren't that many. So I don't think Hunt's ownership will be driven down, but, uh, in in a normal week, we might see people shine away from him because he only saw 54% of the snaps in that game. Now, uh, a lot of that had to do with game flow. Uh, Once uh, Kansas City got down, we just saw West take over uh, quite a bit in the second half. Do you think that was uh, just a hiccup? I mean, the the four previous games, over 70% snap share, that's always going to be top four or five among any running backs, really. Uh, Do you have any concerns about that at all?
0: No, I mean, Hunt was kind of always, he was, you know, Charkandrick West has mm-hmm. been involved all year as the third down back. Um, I, I do think, you know, it's just com- some kind of natural variance um last game but um yeah just from a talent perspective and from the fact that he's still again averaging so many yards per game and he can he's one of those backs that if there's anyone that can put up yardage on on less than a full workload um or put up numbers on less than a full workload to him so I'm I'm not really too too concerned there I think you know if it was a game where maybe we expected a ton of passing down snaps for him or something like that maybe a tiny bit of concern but this is a game where they're favored by over 10 points so I, I think Andy Reid will stick with the run um at least uh, you know or stick with hunt in this game at least a little bit especially because you know they lost the game where 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 hunt didn't get as much work as they usually do so in the NFL you usually kind of see when a when a team loses a game and they kind of do something that they don't usually do they kind of try to go back to it um and, and and turn it around in the next game, so I, I think he'll be he should be fine.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm not I'm not shying away from Hunt too much, but uh, speaking of of players that uh, DFS owners like to shy away from, let's go ahead and move on to wide receiver and start with my Fanduel wide receiver that is Amari Cooper at 7,300. Uh, now I, I know his overall production has been spotty at best, but I mean as we always preach on this podcast, volume is uh, the driver of fantasy production, and in three games before the Raiders' bye week last week, Cooper's averaging 12.7 targets per game, second only to DeAndre Hopkins. He saw uh at least 30 percent target share in two of those games, and I mean now on the season, he's on par with Crabtree for uh red zone targets. Both of them only have six, but the the big tiebreaker with Crabtree uh versus Cooper was always that dominant red zone work, especially on Fanduel, and now. He, Crabtree just isn't dominating there. So I think a lot of people, uh, I talked about flipping coins between the running backs. I think a lot of people are going to be flipping coins between uh, Cooper and Crabtree in a game that uh, looks like it's going to be a shootout. Raiders are six and a half point underdogs, but the over-under is so high that the Raiders still have a respectable team total and uh, they should be throwing quite a bit. New England has obviously been very vulnerable uh, versus the past this year, 29th and wide receiver adjusted fantasy allowed second most yards allowed to wide receivers and they rank in the bottom 10 in uh touchdown rate allowed through the air like i said uh, even if uh even if they weren't in a game where they're underdogs and looking to be in a pass heavy game script Oakland now has the sixth highest neutral pass rate on the season, so uh, we know they're going to throw a lot, and I'm I'm just going to trust that volume with Cooper. Uh, he's projected as a top three value, and uh, I mean, if if it comes back to bite me, then so be it. That's a process that time I'm willing to follow. And kind of on on the same note, moving over to uh, DraftKings, DeAndre Hopkins is sixty one hundred dollars nobody's been better in terms of targets target share uh red zone target share he's ever since tom savage's came in it's it's actually been as good as as that first week he's seen 30 targets in two games uh with savage under center and I know he's going to be shadowed by Patrick Peterson, but somebody that's seen that kind of volume priced as the wide receiver 15 on the main slate. Um, again, I, I think I'm willing to take that risk down at $6,100. Uh, he's, he's our top projected value on both sides, actually, at wide receiver. So uh, two players that I'm really just going to be relying on volume, but uh, obviously a little bit uh, wider range of outcomes than you might be used to with uh, players seeing this type of volume.
0: Yeah, man, it's, it's kind of a weird week where I don't think there's just not too many kind of slam dunk plays and you kind of have to go in, in a little, you know, kind of a direction that you might not usually go in because, you know, I was kind of thinking about that, too. You know, I, Cooper is right there priced with Hopkins on on DK as well. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an interesting uh, situation when you're looking at, you know, Omari Cooper and DeAndre Hopkins. And then it's kind of like you're asking yourself, hmm, is Sterling Shepard, who's priced higher than them, actually the better play? Like, it, it's just <laughs> such, a, it's such a weird week because, you know, just like there's like, ah, uh, it's just all the – I think you know what it is, too. All of the uh, injuries to all the mm-hmm. superstars are kind of starting to take their toll in DFS a little bit where we don't have those guys we can normally count on as much as we usually do, especially um, some of the key positions like wide receiver, running back. Um, They're just not there this year. Wide receiver.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think especially with wide receivers, one spots that I, I do like to attack are where we have these uh, fundamental drivers of fantasy success, such as targets, and people still want to ignore it. One, like for Cooper, uh, he just hasn't been that great in Hopkins. Uh, He's in a tough matchup, but I mean, going back to last year, some of that you can ignore if it's, if they're really, really low quality targets, but I mean, Cooper's not getting low quality targets from Carr. And even though Hopkins has Savage, we, we now have a two game sample size of him being able to produce with those targets. So I, I think it's probably a a risk worth taking this week.
0: Yeah. The one thing I, I think I talked about this, about Savage is I think people you know, he's not Brock Oswire. Like, yes, he's mm-hmm. definitely not Deshaun Watson, but Brock Oswire was just such a low level quarterback or or in that offense anyway, because he's had a little bit better success at getting numbers for the receivers in Denver. But in that Bill O'Brien offense, Brock Oswire just did not could not handle it and he really kinda drove down the offensive production of Hopkins but it's not necessarily been the case at least through two games uh, so far this season for for me on DK I'll go with the guy I just mentioned Sterling Shepard um, I, I do like his uh, his he's 6300 so he, he's actually more expensive than Hopkins and Cooper but he's had nine and 13 targets in the two games since he's come back from injury and, and Marshall and Odell Beckham have been out, so I do like the volume for him as well. And I like the matchup. Kansas City 31st and schedule adjusted, fantasy points allowed to the wide receiver position. I think Shepard's going to stay involved all year long. He runs some high percentage routes. He can run, he can get downfield if they really need him to, and you know, he can move around the formation. So I don't think i will see too much of Peters. And, um, yeah, just a good spot overall for, for, for Shepard played a hundred percent of the snaps in his last game. And that's actually noticeable, notable because a lot of wide receivers do not play. Every snap of the game, even some of the best wide receivers, like you look at Julio Jones and guys like that, those guys are usually you know on the bench for, for 10, 20, sometimes even 30 percent of the snaps. So, um, I like Shepard just for his role as usage. Giants will probably be down in this game, so you can benefit from some of those opposing pass game correlations with Alex Smith and Travis Kelsey, who we'll get to shortly. So, stirring Shepard, DraftKings like him, even though he's priced a little higher than some of the um stud wideouts and on FanDuel. Devontae Parker he's down at 6200 and Parker has actually hit 66 yards or more in every game that he's finished this season Uh, I think I mentioned this before but every time I see him on the field he's really pops off the tape pops off the screen Um, he hasn't had a huge monster blow-up game but he has been consistent in terms of his yardage he does get some downfield targets and he he has the talent and he's going against the Tampa Bay defense that's ranked dead last and schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the wide receiver position. And he also benefits a little bit from the fact that since Miami traded Jay Ajayi, they've gone a little more pass heavy. They've not been so focused on kind of just handing Ajayi the ball and running him into a wall. Even in the first half of games, Miami is passing on 62% of their plays since they traded Ajayi compared to 57% before. And overall, um, 70% pass um, compared to 61% with the Jai. Now, a lot of that in the second half is just due to the fact that they have been trailing in games. But I mentioned even in the first half, they're going more pass-heavy, and I think that will benefit Parker. I think eventually we're going to see kind of a blow-up game for him where he puts up over 100 and a touchdown. And I think this could be the week given the weakness of the Tampa Bay pass coverage unit, uh, pretty much all year.
1: Yeah. I I like both of these picks a lot because, um, they highlight an aspect of, uh, target share and how a team spreads out its passing offense that I like to focus on. We've talked a lot about, and that's the, the concentration of the passing offense. And, uh, I mean, people always want to look at individual players, target share, but, uh, Obviously, there can be a little bit of risk in, in looking at a team because if for some reason all of a sudden that that top wide receiver uh, kind of has an off game, think about like DeAndre Hopkins versus uh, the Patriots uh, earlier in the season. You really don't know where the ball's going to go. But if you have these uh, these offenses that just really zero in on two guys, even if one is a little bit off, we know where it's going to go. And and uh, kind of the, the prime examples of that this year have been uh, the Dolphins with Parker and um, Landry. Uh, Of course, the Broncos have been like that way for quite a few years with TT and and Sanders. And then curiously enough, um, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell have been up top in terms of combined target share. But uh, people probably don't realize how much Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram have uh, combined for for their target share of the team. Uh, I, I tweeted about it last week. The reason I, I liked both of them is because they combined for uh, 50% of the targets in, in Sterling Shepard's first game back from injury. And then uh, last week they combined for 60%. So those concentrated passing offenses are always ones that I really like to target, even if uh, the team isn't necessarily great. Yeah. I
0: mean, if I had Robert Roger Lewis and Tavares King and all these dudes, I would only be throwing to Shepard and August. Yeah, exactly. like, I don't think I think Ewan Manning's just like, Oh my god, get me out of here. Like it's crazy. Like everyone wants him out of here and, and he probably is not feeling mm-hmm. great about being on the field either. Just oh no Odell Beckham, no Marshall. It's it's rough out there.
1: Yeah, I would be curious to see if you can find a sports book that's laying uh, odds on on Eli Manning, Eli Manning finishing his career as a Giant. Let's find that bet. So I,
0: I don't, I don't know if like, I can't, it's almost like I can't see him trading him. Like, I, I almost see, I almost <laughs> think he'd like retire if 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 he was about to right. get traded or something like that. But yeah, that would be that would be interesting. Yeah,
1: it's a weird it's a weird situation uh, overall. But but yeah, I I really like the the that crop of wide receivers going into this week. Uh, jumping ahead to tight end. Uh, kind of. I mean, this has pretty much been the case all season at tight end it's been uh the really expensive tight ends i wrote about this last week and tight end and slate breakdown and then kind of not a lot of value and at a position we like to punt so if you if you are looking for a punt spot this week uh i'm okay with tyler croft especially on DraftKings. he's 5300 on fandle where or, or the pricing's a little more compacted at the position but on DraftKings, all the way down at 2900 he's a he's a really good value actually our top uh projected value at the position keep going back to that that funnel uh defense if you could find it and the Broncos who who Cincinnati's facing this week ranks top 12 in adjusted fantasy points allowed to every position except tight end and if we compare wide receiver versus tight end uh the Broncos rank second against wide receivers but 29th against tight end and that's been uh that's been a, a driver of narrowing down my player pool that's generally been very successful this year um no teams allowed a higher touchdown rate through the air all year than Denver I, I think um, maybe that's not necessarily a, a reflection of how good their defense is overall, but their offense is just putting them in horrible spots, and that's continued the past couple of weeks with with Brock. So you're just going to get um, even these mediocre, mediocre offenses like the Bengals are going to be in more favorable spots because Denver's offense is so bad. Um, In terms of chances of hitting cash game value on DraftKings, Croft ranks third among all tight ends. So uh, again, a guy that uh, you're not going to feel is very comfortable with, but if you are punting a position, we've talked about it plenty before punting tight end is a really good spot to choose.
0: Yeah. I like that. When you're making lineups on DraftKings in cash games anyway, the lineups just fit together a lot better when you go Tyra Croft instead of The guy I want to talk about, Travis Kelsey, who's up there at seventy three hundred on DraftKings, seventy five hundred on FanDuel. Now he he does have the top cash game ads on DraftKings by over nine by nine percentage points, um, and the top on fan duel at tight end by six percentage points so he is a very safe play um and, and i do i do like him a lot but it's just lineup construction and DraftKings cash um it is a little tough to get up to him um but it is worth noting on the flip side that kelsey does have the third highest cash game odds of any player at any position on drafting which is almost unheard of for a tight end just because the position is so volatile so there's a lot of pros and cons to kind of using Kelsey um, in cash games this week but um, either way I think he's one of the top plays on the board in the entire slate at any position and that is because the New York Giants have given up uh, at least one touchdown to a tight end in every single game this season which is also pretty much unheard of they rank second to last in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position teams have really been attacking landon collins uh, he's he's a liability in coverage that's not his That's not really a strong point even though he had a great season last year made a lot of plays on the ball um, he gets beat a lot in coverage and keenan robinson the giants best coverage linebacker really the only their only linebacker that hasn't played like a complete liability and coverage this season just went on the injured reserve so the Giants' struggles against the position are likely to continue we know Andy Reid is a schemer we know that he is going to attack a team's weakness and Travis Kelsey seems like another one of those games where uh, just a smash spot for him in week number 11.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, if my guy, if my guy Garrett Selleck could go off against the Giants, then I uh, gotta love some Kelsey. Like,
0: it's everyone. It's it's literally it's everyone. <laughs> if you're a tight end, you're going off against the Giants. Uh, Who you got a kicker? Kicker.
1: Uh, kicker. Uh, Nick Novak at forty five hundred dollars. He's in a good spot. as a four and a half point home favorite with a uh, pretty respectable twenty four point implied total. Again, we haven't had a lot of uh, opportunities to go all the way down at kicker this year, but uh, that that price saving this week, I think, is going to be extra valuable. And uh, one thing that kind of nudges me towards Novak over some of the other guys there, there's six games this week that could have serious win concerns. So uh, definitely for your your passing games and your kickers, be sure to check those out Uh this game's in LA so should be good weather if you could find a an in, indoor game uh that might give you the edge this week over some of the kickers that might have better uh Vegas indicators right. for and, success you know i know
0: there is a correlation between you know implied total and uh and kicking points but you also find that a lot of the, the the best kickers in a given week it's not necessarily you know always the team with the highest implied total uh, a lot of times it's those teams with kind of those mediocre implied totals you know those between you know 21 and say or 22 and and, and 24 just because you know those are the kind of teams where you're kind of expecting you know that, that they don't score quite as many touchdowns um even if even if they do have the advantage overall in the game on offense over the opposing defense so I uh, have no problem with Novak and actually if you're playing on FanDuel um I would can strongly consider stacking him with the Chargers defense they are 4300 sure. on fan 3k on DraftKings, and they're going up against nathan peterman you talked about him earlier in his first start he'll be going across country the bills have not been a good road team um under sean mcdermott they are one and three on the road this season and they haven't been a good road team in the rex ryan tenure either so um, this this might be a tough game for them, especially Peterman preparing for his first start. He's going to have to deal with, with Joey Bosa and Ingram and those guys coming off the edge. It's not not really going to be easy. And if the, even if the Chargers' defensive metrics don't always stand out that much, you, you did mention that they, they they are a lot better against the pass than the the run and I, I do think the Chargers will be able to build up a lead on this Bills team whose defense has just really been coming apart over these last handful of games first it was their pass defense and, and then it kind of looks like they shored that up a little but at the expense of springing a ton of weeks in their run defense so we'll see exactly how the Chargers choose to attack them this week but I do like that their defense for them um, either way.
1: Yeah. If, if, um, if someone wins the Millie this, this week with a, a stack, yeah, Peterman Benjamin stack, I might reconsider Peterman, my, uh, Peterman my Deontay Thompson,
0: man. <laughs> 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 yeah. no, All right, let's really get like right into our week, really primetime call. slate breakdown. We got the Philadelphia Eagles traveling to Dallas for a key game for the Cowboys. Anyway, uh, if they want to have any chance to kind of stay in a afloat in this NFC playoff picture the Cowboys are three and a half point underdogs to the Eagles the over under is 48 so that implied score is Eagles 25.75 Cowboys 22.25 and then we also have the Atlanta Falcons traveling to Seattle in another game with playoff implications so it's going to be a really enjoyable primetime Slate, uh just on a NFL fan level. I know there's been a lot of complaints this year about some of the primetime games and just some of the games in general, but this sh- this should be a couple of good ones on Sunday and Monday night. Um so look really looking forward to this, not just for DFS, the implied score for the Seahawks Atlanta game of Seattle twenty four, Atlanta twenty one. So two pretty evenly matched games and we ha- we do have the same pricing as we have for the main slate on the primetime slate. So I guess I'll start at quarterback we have Russell Wilson we have Carson Wentz both of these guys have been just straight killing it this year TJ any thoughts on those two guys and you know if gun to your head if you had to choose between them how are you going about making that decision? Yeah, I mean,
1: it's—I mean, you could even really throw Dak Prescott in there. Is I think it's going to be a really close uh, three-way race this week for ownership. But uh, I, I mean, I probably still give uh, Wentz a little bit of a nod just because I, I think his his players match up a little bit uh, better against a secondary Seattle. Um, they they get a decent quarterback matchup against the Falcons, but uh, Falcons have co- covered receivers pretty well this year. Wilson does give you that rushing upside, but uh, Wentz is probably my favorite quarterback straight up. Uh, overall on the slate but I I do think it's very close between him and Wilson and like I said I think I think the ownership's going to be spread uh, pretty evenly between Wilson Prescott and and Wentz although um, I do think that that Ryan is going to get a little bit of a bump with Sherman out but that Seattle defense is still one that you should really really be scared of especially just because Matt Ryan's been um, pretty mediocre not mediocre pretty average this year.
0: Yeah, it's, it's actually a really good slate because there's, it's again, it's one of these slates where, I mean, it's pretty conceivable that any of these four quarterbacks could finish as the top quarterback on the slate, even Matt Ryan, because Matt, um, because Sherman's out now, you know, he's still obviously, you know, the fourth in terms of projected points, but, and he's really the one, the one quarterback that can't run, which I think does kind of knock him down. But again, you know, if you're playing a tournament, his ownership would probably be the lowest. So it kind of evens itself out in terms of leverage on um, one thing to consider in terms of Wentz and the rest of his quarterbacks is the Dallas defense probably going to be without Sean Lee again. Um, and coming into that Atlanta game last week, they, they were giving up only 18 points, 307 total yards and 19 and a half first downs with Lee. And then without Lee 35 points, 377 yards and 24 and a half first downs. Now that was before last the game against Atlanta, but of course they gave up those 27 to Atlanta. Um, Lee missed part of that game. So, This is, this is another one of these spots for Wentz that, you know, could be a smash spot. Zach Ertz should be back in the mix, which should help him out a lot. Mack Holland's coming on a little, starting to play more snaps, playing about 40% of the snap. So they don't have to kind of rely only on, uh, on Ertz out there and, and, and Torrey Smith not giving them as much, but Alshon starting to come on. So, uh, I I think I'd wean Wentz to the Wilson. I mean, he's just kind of, he, he, on any given day, I kind of call him, you know, the the poor man's Aaron (laughs) Rodgers now in terms of his fantasy production, just because he's the the Seahawks have essentially abandoned the run. They, just put the ball in Wilson's hand that they're passing more than they ever have before and you know he could just run around make plays off schedule he's kind of spraying the ball around everywhere you know he's got the outside receivers he's got Paul Richardson going he's got Tyler Lockett going of course he's got Baldwin he's got Graham so um you know he's kind of doing what you know we, we expected from Aaron Rodgers for so long in terms of his numbers obviously he's not as good of a quarterback overall but Um, for fantasy I think Russell Wilson he's kind of at that level now and I expect that to pretty much continue especially with the absence of Richard Sherman because again that'll just go back to those opposing passing game correlations where teams will probably start putting up a few more points on that Seattle defense than they have in these past few years and that's only going to put more pressure on Wilson to to continue to score for Seattle and again he's pretty much their only scoring threat they do not have a, a running game at this point so um really like those those two guys. Let's talk about the running backs a little bit. Devontae Freeman's doubtful. It doesn't look like he is going to play. We actually have Tevin Coleman at four for four as the highest projected non quarterback, top projected Value on both sides. So we don't need to spend too much time on him. So let's talk about some of the other running backs. Let's we'll start in Philly with this situation. Word out of Philly is that Jay Ajayi, you know, coming off the bye, they are going to get him a bit more involved in the offense. He played 25% of the snaps had nine carries against Denver. Corey Clement, though, had led the backfield with 41% of the snaps, 13 touches, 66 total yards and three touchdowns. And then you have Garrett Blunt down there at 23% of the snap. So what do you think of this silly backfield? Do you think Corey Clement has kind of earned himself um, more playing time? Or do you think they're going to turn it over to Ajayi? Or do you think Ajayi is just going to eat into that Blunt workload and they're going to kind of give still give, give Clement a role. I mean,
1: I, I think Clement will still have a role, but I mean, the the coaches came out and said that, um, they want to get a Jai, a bigger workload. And I, I tend to believe him just because the Philly has kind of been a, a sneaky, um, run first team. Wentz has been so good that I think a, a lot of people might not realize that Philly has been, um, Uh, kind of run first team in neutral situations Philly's above average in terms of their rush rate. And they actually have the seventh highest red zone rush rate in the league. Again, just so many touchdowns coming through the air that I don't, I don't think people are necessarily looking at those numbers. So I think uh, the pie is going to be a a little bit bigger than people might expect. And I think Ajay will be uh, the lead back there. And then Philly actually has the best matchup for their running backs. I mean, in in terms of our adjusted fantasy points allowed Atlanta's the worst team on this slate against running backs but uh Seattle doesn't have a run game to speak of, like you mentioned. Russell Wilson is their running game, so I think Ajayi is probably my my running back too behind Coleman for the simple fact that uh, Coleman's gonna be the only guy that we know is going to get a, a really big workload. But uh, Seattle and Philly both rank top seven in terms of just fantasy points allowed to um, opposing running backs. So Ajayi is my number two on this slate right now.
0: Yeah, and as you mentioned, you know Philly is getting a ton of rushing attempts, number one, because that's you know, they they're efficient throwing the ball Mm -hmm. and they can they're they're able to convert third downs, they're able to kind of control the clock and they actually rank number two on the season in rushing attempts per game at thirty one point four. So even if you kind of get into some Uh, issues with Ajayi maybe doesn't get as much workload as we expect there's still some wiggle room there because let's say Philly does run the ball 31 32 times if Ajayi gets even half of those he's still around 16 carries and we know what he can do with 16 carries behind a good offensive line when he when he's right and um, we saw him break a long run last weekend so I I do like Ajayi I think the fact that Philly is getting so many rushing attempts Uh, going is is important and it's going to be tougher a lot tougher for Dallas to win that time of position battle and and force Philly off the field and keep Philly off the field being that they don't have Ezekiel Elliott and that run game it's kind of a different Dallas offense we saw them struggle on the O-line last week and we saw Alfred Morris kind of struggle for for most of the, the first half of that game as well so I do like Jay Ajayi here. I think, I think you have to give Clement a look as well, just, just for how productive he's been in his limited snaps. I think he's probably earned uh, at least a third of the snaps, I would say, um, in this upcoming game. And then if you move over to the other side of the ball, Alfred Morris did get 11 carries, 453 yards last week. He. Only played thirty five percent of the snaps. However, Darren McFadden was not a factor, but Rod Smith played sixty percent of the snaps. Was a factor. Got six targets, caught four balls for only fifteen yards, and got another three carries. So, you know, Philly has they have a strong front defensive front. That's one of their strengths. They do not give up much rushing production. So, uh, is is this a situation where? Especially on DraftKings, do you if 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 you want to kind of look to a Philly running back, a Jai, somebody like that as your RB two, is Morris even or Smith or any of these guys in consideration as a flex play, or do you kind of want to go wide receiver? You want to avoid these guys. Like, what are your thoughts on the, the Dallas backfield?
1: I'm I'm not touching the Dallas backfield. I, I think it's a spot where I'm I'm either going to uh, a flex a wide receiver, or if I want to pivot off of. The two guys that we mentioned, Coleman and Ajayi, I'd, I'd rather take a shot at another one of the Philly backs like Corey Clement than even touch the Dallas backfield. I mean, uh, the, the Eagles have uh, only allowed one running back to go over 38 rushing yards in a game. Uh, Kareem Hunt had 81. No other running back has had more than 38 rushing yards in a game if I know this game's only a a three and a half point spread, but if there's a team that finds themselves in a, in a really good game script between the two, uh, I think it's going to be Philadelphia. Um, Dallas is without Sean Lee, without Ezekiel Elliott. I think there's a a decent chance that Philly wins this game by uh, a lot more than, uh, the spread suggests. So I combine that, that game script with, uh, how good Philly's been against, uh, Uh, against the rush how bad dallas backfield looked last week i don't think i I don't think i'm messing with it even on a short slate
0: yeah philly 17th in schedule just as fancy points to quarterbacks 21st uh 25th excuse me to wide receivers 24th to tight ends but fourth versus running backs so running backs just a position where you don't really want to attack these philadelphia eagles again i mentioned a strong strong front seven and I guess we should talk about so what about a you know we have we have this Atlanta defense you know they're not particularly stout Uh, against run the run or against running backs they rank 20th in ppr schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed 14th in uh, standard fantasy points allowed i almost think you have to look at standard a little more for thomas rawls only because he doesn't catch many passes although he has caught two in each of the last two games um for four so he's got four catches for 43 yards over the last two games in addition you got nine carries against washington 10 against arizona do you like rolls then more than than either of the Dallas backs?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think you have to just for the this fact of what you mentioned, and I, I mean, again, Atlanta is the worst team against running backs on this slate, at least in terms of schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. So, um, I mean, if if you're going to hope to luck box into touches in a good game script, it's it's much more likely going to be Rawls than um, than Dallas. I mean, it's it's going to be really risky because it's pretty clear how rough it's been to try to pinpoint what any Seattle back's going to do this week. But if it is going to happen, it's it's way more likely that it happens from Rawls than from any of the Cowboys. His backs
0: yeah and i mean i think you might even have to throw uh, jd mckissick in there if you're talking about a tournament play just because mm-hmm. he's averaging uh about four 4.4 yards per carry on the season almost 9.7 yards per catch we know he has some explosiveness to him as well we kind of saw it in week four against the colts haven't seen it uh as much since but um on a short slate like this uh, if he breaks a long run and he certainly has the speed to do so if he break, breaks a long play in a tournament you're in business and if you don't have them you might not be in business so uh, McKissick definitely somebody to keep in mind at that position as well at at wide receiver it's interesting because now we have no Richard Sherman for the Seahawks so we have Julio Jones here Seattle was actually already uh, according to Football Outsiders 20th in DVOA against Number one wide receivers, they're giving him eight targets for sixty nine yards per game. That's higher than the NFL average of seven point nine targets for sixty three point six yards uh, per game. So, uh, do you like Julio in this in this spot against the now Richard Shermanless Seahawks D?
1: Yeah, I mean, Julio's going to be getting snaps against Byron Maxwell. I mean, if I, I think it was right after Maxwell went went left Seattle and went to Philly, and he was like the cornerback to target Uh, I think I have my timeline right he was all right with with the Dolphins last year but there was a stretch where Maxwell was arguably the worst cornerback in the league at least in terms of or the best if you're looking at uh, cornerbacks to target with fantasy uh, receivers so without Sherman I think that uh, that Julio could be in in a blow up spot here so i I trust julio it looks like i think he's completely off the injury report now so it looks like no concerns of of uh that ankle which i was a little nervous because the they thought it might have been a high ankle sprain which is lingering but uh looks like he's he's back to full go all of a sudden
0: yeah and i you know i know it's narrative street but after that miserable drop touchdown now he's back on prime time he's back on monday night where he had his i think he had his best game on prime time on sunday night um he'll probably they'll probably want to he'll he'll probably want to kind of make up for all that all that noise and all that talk about him not getting the ball enough and him dropping the touchdown and whatnot so um i I could see them kind of force feeding him the ball there's been a lot of talk about sarkeesian and sarkeesian not getting julio the ball enough so this would be the spot. I mean, we've said it, we've said it a lot, and it and not, hasn't always happened, but it did happen on primetime before, and I would bet that it happens again. Uh, what about for the uh, Seattle Seahawks? Any preference here? We have Doug Baldwin going up against uh, Poole at cornerback. Then we, we're going to have Lockett and Paul Richardson on the outside against Trufant and Robert Alford. Um, any of these guys, any kind of favoring any of these guys more than the other.
1: Yeah. I don't think it's uh, just looking at the, at the slate overall, if you're going to look for secondary pass catchers, I, I don't think Seattle is the team to do it. I think there's uh, some opportunity uh, from the Cowboys to pin, to go after some of their secondary pass catchers, maybe even from Philadelphia. But uh, I, I think you stick with, with Baldwin and, uh, and Graham in this spot in terms of Seattle pass catchers. Um, of course, Baldwin always, always gets to play in the slot so he gets to avoid uh, any team's uh, number one quarterback and that's usually bodes quite well for him and of course Graham is going to get uh, those red zone targets he's, he's been uh, very consistent there this year I think second in the league right now in overall red zone target so th- those are the two I'm going to be going after and again if I want uh, some of the ancillary pass catchers definitely like the Dallas and Philly game for that.
0: Um, it is worth noting the Falcons are are number 30th in, D- in DVOA versus mm-hmm. number two wide receivers, according to Football Outsiders. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see uh, – I wouldn't be surprised to see Lockett or Richardson um, have a big game, especially if they kind of get into a, a more of a, sh- a shootout situation. O- on Dallas, uh, Terrence Williams kind of the guy – you're 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 yeah i think so
1: i mean the the best matchup in terms of uh, adjusted fantasy points allowed on this entire slate is dallas versus uh dallas wide receivers versus philadelphia so um that's actually the the wide receivers and tight ends against eagles that's the only spot where we have a position ranked against defense in the the bottom 10 in afpa uh so really good spots there not only for uh terrence williams um but also for uh jason witten so if you're if you're looking for someone that isn't the obvious guy to play. I like both of those players here because of the matchup.
0: Yeah, definitely agree with you there. I think, um, and, and on the Eagles side of the ball, I mean, Torrey Smith hasn't really hasn't been doing much. So uh, I, if you're looking for kind of a contrarian play, I would look out for a guy like uh, a Mac Hollins who can get down the field, saw a season high 43.5% uh snap rate against Denver before the buy, so that's somebody that I wouldn't be surprised if they came out of the buy with him actually starting um, at wide receiver because I, I just don't think they, they they they're really happy with with what they're getting out of Torrey Smith. Um, w- would you rank the the stud wide receivers on a slate? Julio, Jeffrey. Oh, oh we're, we're, hmm. how do you rank the four stud wide receivers we got? Julio Baldwin, Jeffrey, and uh,
1: um, and Dez. I, whew, I would say Julio and and Des are pretty obviously the 1 and 2 for me and then Baldwin and Jeffrey but i i think in terms of who i'm be targeting I, I, I just the way uh the pricing looks at first glance i think Alshon's going to be the lowest owned and i don't think any of them are in necessarily bad spot so Alshon's probably my favorite because of the ownership point of view
0: that's interesting because do you think it, do you think he'll be the low? Cause they're, well, I guess because you, people are going to stack exactly. Ertz with, with Wentz over Alshon, because Ertz will probably be the highest on, uh, on tight quarterback. End. Yeah, That's, but that's, that's yeah, my thought. Exactly.
1: Stack. And I, I tend to think that people uh, on these short slates really go after these big names. And that's, I think that's part of the reason why we've seen um, the sites adjust pricing or not, because if there is these big name, expensive players on the site on this slate, people just try to jam them in. So I think the name value of Julio and Des, without uh, much competition is, is going to cause people uh, to go there. But I like Alshon just because of that.
0: Yeah, and speaking of players who might not get owned as much, uh, Nelson Aguilar going up against Orlando Scantrick. Orlando Scantrick hasn't been as good this season. He's been kind of a player to target as well. So um, Aguilar, another option for that uh, Philly offense. At tight end, we got Ertz. We got Jimmy Graham. Uh, we got Austin Hooper. So there's a bunch of options actually at that position as well. And, of course, we got Jason Witten. Uh, is Earth kind of the clear jam-em-in guy? Do you think you can get some value by going down in price to Graham or, or even way down to to yeah, a guy like Hooper uh, or Witten?
1: Because they got three tight ends that are are a pretty significant part of their offense. Um, I, I have a hard time justifying going all the way down Hooper. I think he's the tight end four by a pretty wide margin here. Uh, I. <laughs> I don't know if it's necessarily jam inerts because there's going to be a lot of rotating I want to do with these uh, relatively expensive pass catchers, uh, more of a kind of a I don't want to say even rotation. Ertz is still going to be my favorite, but I'm going to want my fair share of Graham and Witten. Witten I already talked about. Uh, that's one of the best matchups on the slate. And Graham, you're going to get that uh, that red zone upside, especially on FanDuel. Ertz is going to be the safest, going to be the biggest part of his offense. So you obviously want a fair share of him, but uh, I, I don't think I'm necessarily jamming him into a high ownership uh, position in terms of my player portfolio because of the reasons I mentioned.
0: Yeah, Ertz. Every game this season, he's been he's been at least 13.1 DraftKings po- he, points and at least a at least 10.6 FanDuel points. So he's been in double digits even on FanDuel in in every game this season, which is pretty yeah. pretty impressive. Um, Byron Jones for the Cowboys good 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 cover man uh, for tight ends. yeah I, he, I just like I
1: mean we've talked about this w- with the receivers quarterbacks and now tight ends and this is really where uh, these primetime slates are really exciting there's just a, a ton of game theory here a lot of players projected really close together we've seen so many times in the last few weeks just like three or four players in smash spots and then everything else is kind of obvious i mean obvious it's still four games it's nfl so it's not easy p- to predict but where uh where we're gonna have this well i would guess be pretty even uh ownership at, at every position except for running back uh really fun slate this week i think
0: which game of the two do you think has more of a chance to be a low scoring game? i would say um
1: Atlanta and Seattle I think Seattle's defense is, is still pretty good without uh with without Sherman and Atlanta's just been a team that's went under their total in terms of game total and implied total a lot this year uh they they haven't uh met expectations quite a few times. So I could see, and we've seen Seattle do that too. Their offensive line's bad enough where things get ugly really quickly. So, uh, two teams that even though Seattle is on a little bit of a hot streak, um, we've seen them disappoint, uh, quite a few times this year, at least in terms of offensive production.
0: Yeah. What about a defense special teams? Do you think that the Eagles are the best defense special teams just because of how good their front seven is and that Dallas, uh, Running game is kind of in not 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 up to full strength, and their offensive line might not be either. Or uh, do you think it's still the Seahawks defense going against the? Yeah, Falcons I mean, uh, at, at
1: home, I think Dak is is so efficient and and safe that he's even if Philly. Um, Wins pretty handily. I don't think Dallas is ever going to present a lot of opportunity for turnover. Where I think Matt Ryan is is going to offer a little bit more of that. Uh, so probably I like Seattle a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it, for me, it would really mm-hmm. depend on Tyron Smith. I don't. Do we know. I don't think we know for sure if he's going to miss the game um but it doesn't look like he's practicing as we record this on Wednesday if he's okay. out I think I like the Philly defense more just because we saw what happened mm-hmm. when when they didn't have him last week now I'm sure I'm sure they're going to make adjustments but um you know these things I, I think I think Philly at this point probably yeah. is the more talented defense just with with, with Sherman out but it, it's it's a close call I do like I do like the fact that uh, Philly is a little cheaper um on DraftKings where they're down there at 29 Seattle 33 but it's 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 kind of a tough week no no defense really stands out I mean it could there could be a situation where you know maybe maybe there's a fumble and a return for a touchdown and Dallas gets like a you know return or Atlanta or somebody like that and they end up being the top defense with like six seven points just because um it's kind of a, a evenly matched slate where we have four pretty good offensive teams so Interesting slate. Hope you guys uh do well on this slate. Let's make our DraftKings lineup real quick, then we'll get to the uh bold. Yeah, calls. I think I'll go with the, the pretty off, obvious PJ? pick
1: and go. Uh, Tevin Coleman, fifty eight hundred dollars at running back.
0: All right, so let me get him in there. Tevin Coleman. I'm gonna go with. Let's get us a quarterback. Let's get us. Let's get okay. us Carson Wentz at seventy two hundred. All right, so we got a fifty-two, eighty-five. Yeah, so that, with so that's really going to be seven the driver
1: right. of what we want to do. Um, I'm not going to make make our, our stacking decision on him yet. Uh, so I'll I'll wait to see how this shakes out a little bit, and I'll pick the defense. I'm gonna go with uh, I'll, I'll go with my top defense, the Seahawks.
0: All right, I'm going to stack Wentz with okay, I'll, a little I'll, contrarian I'll play and go Mac Hollins at min price. So now we got 6140 with with uh, two receivers, a running back, a tight end, and a flex. Uh, that, I mean,
1: this puts us in, a, in an interesting position because uh, we did mention we like Ajay as the RB2. Uh, and I really do like game stacking on these primetime slates just because I, I think even though there's two games, people still get a little nervous to do the full game stack. So since we went uh, cheap wide receiver on that side, I'll go expensive wide receiver on the other side and throw Dez in there.
0: All right, now we got still at sixty one twenty five with a running back, a wide receiver, a tight end, and a flex. I'm gonna go ahead and get Julio up in there at seventy three hundred. Now we got fifty seven thirty three average remaining with running back, and all right. tight
1: I mean, end, I'm, flex. I'm I said I like full game stacks and team stacks, so I'll I'll jam a giant in and try to get all of those uh, Philly points.
0: All right, so we already got the Wentz Ajayi, uh, Mac Hollen stack i will all right let's see throw. if i think we might Zach be able to fit that that'll leave a us a
1: 5100 dollars of flex position um i mean that still leaves a lot of the players on the board uh we got muhammad snu at 4900 paul richardson at 4700 um terrence uh terrence williams at 3800 you could flex a tight end jason is four thousand dollars like, um wait. i i like the upside of uh of the, the wide receivers a little bit more. Um, I do want a piece of Seattle. Uh, you mentioned that wide receiver two stat against the Falcons. I'm going to go with Paul Richardson here.
0: Yeah, that's a good choice. I think, I mean, he's been, he's been really coming on. I was a guy, I just liked his talent even coming into the season. Um, once I found out they were going to drop curse, I thought Richardson might have a chance to come on and it looks like he's doing that. Wait, he doesn't always get a lot of targets, but he sure makes the most of them um, when he gets them. So I really like that. So our lineup is Wentz, Tevin Coleman, Jay Ajayi, Julio Jones, Des Bryant, Mac Hollins, Zach Ertz, Paul Richardson at the Flex, um, and the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Des did not practice Wednesday, but that's probably just a precaution. He's always a little banged up, and they can't afford to get him more banged up early in the week with, with Damari missing Zeke. So. We'll see how this lineup goes. I'll enter it into that $5 again, 750K Sunday night spectacular on DraftKings. And uh, let's get into our bold calls. Yeah, I'm for trying to keep a, a nice
1: little hot street call going. Got- I'm going to go. I, I mentioned that there are some win concerns. Um, One game that could really be affected by that is Detroit at Chicago. Uh, Chicago's a, a three-point home dog. A lot of the bets are on Detroit, and uh, that line hasn't budged yet. I think 82% of the bets on on Detroit with uh, no line movement yet. Uh, We know that Detroit's going to want to uh, pass the ball a lot, but if if that win wreaks havoc and the game stays close, that kind of fits right into what Chicago wants to do, play good defense, run the ball, and uh, that could be exactly how that game flow goes. So I, I say Chicago pulls off the upset against Detroit.
0: I like it. Um, for my game bowl call, I will go with the green Bay Packers. They are underdogs at home against the Baltimore Ravens. I, I say they win this game perhaps by double digits, uh, against the Ravens. I think Brett Hundley. we saw some improvement with him on the road. Now he's coming back home to Lambeau. When you have these quarterbacks, these young quarterbacks, um, things can always start out a little rough sometimes. And, uh, uh, and they, but they can also improve. And I think you're, you saw a little bit of that when Huntley last game, and I think they can continue it. I also think that Baltimore still has Joe Flacco and he is not improving. Uh, he's liable to turn the ball over. And uh, I think Green Bay should be able to to get a win.
1: So uh, I, I I like that a lot. I mean, it. It's, it's crazy that that's even a bold call at this point, Green Bay versus Baltimore, but it really is with the way Green Bay's been playing. So uh, I like that. Going over to my... Uh, Player bold call. I'm going to stick in the same game and and a lot of people got burned by Jordan Howard last week, but uh because of his workload, uh staying on why how I think that game script could go. Detroit's defense been regressing a, a little bit and um they they have a a relatively weak point. Is that running back? I'm going to say Jordan Howard bounces back, finishes as a top 3 fantasy running back, we mentioned uh, throughout this podcast, after Kareem Hunt, there just aren't a lot of running backs in, in pretty spots. So uh, given his workload and how run heavy that team is, if they pull off the the upset, uh, Howard uh, definitely has top three potential.
0: Yeah. I mean, Howard always has that 30-35 touch upside in any given game just because of how... The way Chicago plays, and we really don't project them for high ownership at all because we still project people to kind of go more high low with, with, with kind of getting a stud running back in there and then balancing that out probably with, with the more well owned guy, Howard's kind of in that middle tier. He, he did burn people. So he has the negative recency bias. So he actually has a pretty high GPP leverage score uh, right now and probably will unless his his ownership projection increases significantly. So I like it. I'm gonna go to interesting one. I'm gonna say... Chris Thompson and Samaje Perine are both going to be top 8 running backs this week. I think they are kind of like the poor man's version of what you're going to see on the other side of the ball with Kamara and Ingram. I thought Perine actually looked really good on on film last week even though the numbers weren't really there. I know he, he did have a, I think a 25-yard catch, but the rushing numbers were kind of average, but just in the way he was running, his vision, I thought it has improved a lot since early in the season where it just didn't seem to know where he's going to go and because his vision is kind of improving i don't think he's thinking as much out there i think he's more kind of just running and can use some of that power um better than, than when he was kind of thinking of you know what hole am i going to hit or whatnot and the saints their position we talk about kind of funnels and, and where production is being funneled well the saints are number they're in top 10 versus quarterbacks receivers and tight ends but they are 18th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the running back position that is their weakness and I think you're going to see the Redskins rely on both of their backs a lot, as they've done pretty much all year. They're a team that relies on their running backs and their tight ends, and I don't think that's going to change against New Orleans with the Saints getting really high-level play out of their rookie corner, Marshawn Lattimore, and also out of their other outside corner, Ken Crawley. I think you're going to see a lot of just the Redskins attacking the middle of the field with their backs and tight ends. So uh, I'm looking for for Pirine and Thompson as kind of the the Ingram Kamara arbitrage play this week.
1: That's a really interesting call. I mean, I I can't put a finger on it, but that game, something about that game looks fishy to me. So, I uh that's I wonder if Washington might play the Saints a lot closer than people think this week.
0: I mean, they did go to Seattle and win that mm-hmm. game with mm-hmm. a Really bad, banged up offensive line. Yeah. So Washington's just one of those teams, and then and then they 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 played a shootout with Minnesota. Like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just yeah. one of those teams that they can kind of give you those unexpected results that, especially in tournaments, we're kind of looking for. And you alluded to it. There's a bunch of games with win concerns. This one's in the Superdome. I know that really doesn't affect running backs too much, but um, it could be interesting just for offensive production in general. So um yeah, looking out to interested in that game think that does it for us Uh, thank you guys for tuning in once again to dfs mvp be sure to follow tj on twitter at tj hernandez follow me on twitter at chris raybon be sure to check out john paulson and the most accurate podcast if you're playing season long and don't forget if you rate and review dfs mvp on itunes and send a screenshot to dfs mvp at 4 you can get 25% off a 4 DFS subscription. Thank you to all you guys who have rated and reviewed. Thank you to everyone who's tuning in to the pod. We really appreciate you. Any last words, TJ?
1: I hope you guys make enough money to become an overnight DFS celebrity.
0: Let's get this money. Let me be your manager. Come and like I can see you, boy. take you to the queen that I see you for. Take you shopping no screens and stores. I'm going to get you to the MTV boy we about to do a show tonight, you look a good girl, show you right, take your places I know you like, I can make you a celebrity overnight, come and girl, you can hang if you're bored, we can do pick thanks, plus more, I'm about to have you changing the stores, I can even get you to the Soul Train Awards, we about to do a show tonight, you look a good girl, show you right, take your places I know you like, I can make you a celebrity overnight.